them on their backs, butt them in the mouth, knock their ass in the dirt. That's what we got to do. We got to stop that buddy ball. Smash everybody in the mouth. Hey, baby. We're going to be here all day, baby. I like this kind of party. I like this kind of party, baby. You're in the doghouse with Rick Watson and Big Dog Sports Talk on the WRAD Talk Network. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility. You know what that means? Do you? We're the underdog. We're mutts. My number one play is the power sweep. If you only knew the power of the dark side... Welcome in to Hour 3, the Power Hour, on Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Join the conversation now on the Long & Foster Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900, or text Rick and the show at stuff as always text lines open for you as always 744-2990 join us now on the program he is our nfl correspondent the radford university hall of famer david smith david good morning how are you my brother Good morning, Rick. How are you? Check one, check two. We're here. <laughs> You're good. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> My man, great to hear from you on a Tuesday morning. Hey, listen, can I say something before we get started? Oh, absolutely, as always. How, how are you going to talk wrestling? And and listen, I'm a little older than you and Jermaine, so you guys were dropping some <laughs> we were. We were. kind of modern names. Let me give you Blackjack Mulligan, oh, Johnny Weaver, yeah. George Becker. Absolutely. Uh, the, the Rufus R. Freight Train, Jones, Love Bobo Brazil. And Tony Atlas. How's oh Jermaine goodness. from Rono? And don't bring up Tony Atlas. Oh I mean, it's just goodness. not enough time to do wrestling. Mr. Wrestling, Ricky Steamboat. My dad, rest his soul, would, uh, at 12 o'clock on Saturday, if you dare touch that Absolutely. TV, you might, you might leave without a limb. Uh, when that came on, and uh, that, was, that was must-watch TV in my neighborhood. You could just hear the whole community yelling. Through, collectively, if you stuck your head out the window when things didn't go their way. And I'm old enough to remember when it used to be 30 minutes, and then it went to an hour. We thought we were stealing. So uh, wrestling, uh, 
part of the fabric of growing up in my neighborhood growing up. Absolutely. So I had to mention that. Had to mention that as we lose yet another one of our heroes. I, I think know. you said it was. I was know. it Arn? Was, I couldn't hear. Was it Arn Anderson? It's Oli. 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 Oh, they yeah. like the older one. Yeah. I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. I'm with you. Man, Blackjack Mug was my dad's favorite wrestler. Man, I yeah. love Blackjack. Yeah, the Big claw. Dude. The claw. The claw. <laughs> the claw, man. Yeah. And, of course, we were crazy enough as kids, probably like maybe like you, maybe you were smarter. We would then go out and we'd have to wrestle oh, each no. other like I, them. Absolutely. Yeah. We to- My dad, we tore up a lot of beds at my house. Yeah. Flat falling out of the bed. We would just tear up the room doing it and probably wasn't the smartest thing in the world, but that's our childhood, no, man. As yeah. crazy as it was, we and, somehow survived it. And, the yeah, fig- and if you get somebody in the figure four for real, oh, it works. That was <laughs> that actually worked. That was what was so funny is we kind of got wise to the things like, well, maybe the elbow drop, but then we would be stupid enough to try to yeah, do it of course. and hurt each other. But the figure four, <laughs> you're right, Rick, that one actually worked. That was like, okay, I'm done. Get me out of this. Yes, sir. Oh, absolutely. That was, that was part of it. No uh, question love, about it, man. So it, man. had to chime in on wrestling no, and let that moment no, get away, no. bro. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. It will always be part of – uh, who I was, who I am, I respected it so much. It's like I told if all these younger people work down in Radford, they're always like wrestling. I'm like, do you watch movies? Well, those people, are, those people are just pretending. They're just pretending to be other people, not even doing the athletic things to keep from killing each other. Wrestlers are so, yeah, yeah. They're like that's the characters that I like. You're watching There's movies. A, it's the same yeah. thing. That's our movie. You got your movie, right. and off we go. Leave right. us alone. Leave us <laughs> alone. Leave us alone. Leave us alone. Leave us alone. Before we put you in the figure four. <laughs> exactly. Take that. Yeah, and then tell me if you think it's not real. <laughs> there you go. 100%. Yes, sir. Oh, man, we got a lot going on. Uh, a lot of draft stuff starting already. The shuffling. How do you – I mean, what are we looking at here? These quarterbacks, it seems like Caleb Williams is back up at the top of most boards. The Bears are going to take him, I know. But what do you think? What are we looking at? Well, it's funny, Rick, the combine starts this week, too. So NFL has this thing spread out. You know, you and I love it because it makes this segment interesting all year long. We've got the combine. We've got the franchise tag thing popping this week again. We've got uh, the, the draft, of course. So, so real quick, I'm just going to kind of not wear people out with all the uh, analytic stuff. Just real quick, here's a list of the teams in order and what they're needing and how people projecting them to go. So the Bears have got the number one pick. I think they probably don't mind having it, but they probably hate all the angst around that because they now have to probably release a guy that's developmentally getting there. you got to take Caleb Williams. The reason why they got to take Caleb Williams, and that's the consensus, is if for no other reason, if he's comparable to Justin Fields, who you have, you get to reset the salary structure and build around him. Others are saying, well, you keep Justin Fields, then you got to pay him a king's ransom for what you may not have, and even though you still have picks. That's the consensus. Bears at the number one pick, getting that pick from Carolina. They were 2-15 and 15 this year with a lot of needs. And the number two spot's pretty interesting, but pretty not interesting at the same time, is Washington. Washington, we all know what they had to deal with last year. They've got quarterback needs as well. There, there's a high consensus that it's going to be one of two quarterbacks. Jaden Daniels is who I'm leaning toward. you got Drake May at Carolina, who a lot of people like too. You can't really go wrong there. <clears throat> Jaden Daniels played in the SEC. He's a Heisman Trophy winner. If you want to talk about versatility, both quarterbacks have that. A lot of people feel like Washington with a lot of needs as they get rid of a lot of their edge rushers. you got to take the quarterback, though. All those other things are nice and well and good. <clears throat> At the end of the day, if you're lacking in the quarterback role, <clears throat> you're lacking as a team, Washington's going to take a quarterback at two. I feel very confident in that. And then there's New England at three, Rick. And, 
you know, we watch a lot of football. New England did not look like the football team no. of five years ago. The transition has started to happen. And now, in a lot of ways, the rebuild has happened. Mac Jones tried it, don't like it. It's not going to have a long-term effect, in my opinion. They've got quarterback needs. They've got a lot of needs. And so Gerard Mayo, Virginia native, he's going to probably end up taking Drake May. I think they can't go wrong in the three spot, kind of like the old Jordan pick spot. You guys take who you want. I'll take the best one of the three. And they're going to probably take Drake May. I would if I were them and help restart the whole program. At number four, the number four pick Arizona Cardinals have gone in and said, we are good at quarterback. And guess what, Rick? I didn't think I'd like that starting last year because of the Kingsbury situation. I like it now. Kyler Murray came back in. We didn't hear a thing from them last year. We didn't hear any angst in that. You know, Rick, the year before, we were kind of going, is he – is he kind of like trying to be elite? Remember, Rick, we didn't love yeah. how he was kind of doing things. Had that injury, came back, seemed to have gotten rejuvenated under their new regime there. So they're going to probably take Marvin Harrison. And if they get Marvin Harrison, who it looks like they're going to end up with, to go with Colin Murray, a healthy Colin Murray with a full offseason, keep an eye on Arizona. I like what they're doing. And then at number five, Jim Harbaugh's Los Angeles Chargers. Say that out loud. Jim Harbaugh with Justin Herbert. You know they're going to be better. He has not gone anywhere and hadn't gotten better. They got a lot of salary cap issues. They're trying to figure out what they need in that position, whether they need a cornerback, a running back, defensive tackle. They're good on quarterback. A lot of folks think they're going to take Joe Alt from Notre Dame, the offensive tackle, to make sure that Justin Herbert stays upright. I would agree with that move as well. The Giants are at six. They're going to probably let Saquon go without a franchise tag. He's going to head into free agency. They're going to try to move off of that. There's talk that Daniel Jones may be kind of on the fence around coming back. He's coming off of that season-ending injury. There's talk that they may take Malik Neighbors, the wide receiver out of LSU, that can give them some support. I'd still be interested to see what they do at quarterback. Tennessee's at number seven. Again, the non-Mike Vrabel Tennessee Titan can be a little odd looking over there and not seeing him. He's been there so long. Rome Adunzene from Washington, the wide receivers, who they're leaning toward. Atlanta at number eight is interesting, too, Rick. There's a lot of talk that Justin Fields could land there or Pittsburgh. That's kind of what you're hearing a lot of. Then there's rumblings yesterday that Russell Wilson could end up in Pittsburgh. So these combines going to have a lot of sidebar deals going on. Right now, Atlanta's got some needs all over the place in terms of uh, edge, offensive tackle, and cornerback. They've got running back buttoned up. They've got a great tight end. Dallas Turner from Alabama seems to be who they're leaning toward at number eight. And then we'll wrap up the first uh, 10 picks. At number nine is the Chicago Bears again. And the Bears are looking like they can go with that edge rusher from uh, Leo Tu and Latu from UCLA, the edge rusher they're leaning toward. And then there's the Jets at number 10. Aaron Rodgers, they're talking about trying to get uh, Devontae Adams out of Vegas to come back and reunite, trying to get all this Green Bay Packers yeah. back in New York, I guess. <laughs> Um, good luck with the Jets. I'm, I'm so glad we don't have to hear about them every week right oh. now. It's, between them and Dallas, you've heard more from some teams who have done nothing, and it's exhausting. I just want to see them play well and be quiet a little bit. But they're looking at taking Fashanu out of uh, Penn State, the offensive tackle, who I think used to be at UVA. So that wraps up the first 10 picks in the draft as we look toward the NFL combine starting this week. But those are the top 10 picks in the draft and love to know what your feedback is on how you see some of that. David Smith joining us on the program. He is our NFL correspondent. Uh, I agree with you about we're at number three. I mean, Drake may falling there. It's just maybe it's the safest of the picks because you're going to be able to say, hey, 
other guys were off the board. He was the guy we liked, regardless of whether yep. that's true or not, right? I mean, it's all going to be right there for them. So I agree with that. I think that's probably the best way to, to look at that. But uh, 11 through 20, it gets a little complicated as you get to the yep. middle. You never know about smoke screens and who might be available. That's right. Well, Minnesota at 11, you got the Kirk Cousins situation first and foremost. And from everything I'm reading and hearing, they're going to give him a great offer to stay there. And, boy, you better. Because all, all Kirk Cousins did was dominate the league last year <clears throat> before he got hurt and in the years before. Kirk Cousins' numbers are amazing. I'm, I'm over all the slander from him. And so at 11, they've got needs at edge and offensive guard. And they're leaning toward Jared Burst, the edge rusher out of Florida State. That would solidify their defense a little bit and give Minnesota some stuff that they can really build upon. At 12 is your beloved Denver Broncos. Yeah. <clears throat> and the question then will become, are they going to deal with the quarterback situation? And J.J. McCarthy keeps coming up in all the mock stuff I see. Rick, I, I'm going to pause here and give you a chance to see how you feel about that or have you heard that or what's your take on Denver as you see them at 12? A lot of ambiguity. Nobody's really knowing uh, Sean Payton mm-hmm. is not playing his hand. Clearly he's looking for a guy that he can get in there to run his system. Russell Wilson was not that guy. Uh, Wilson came out this week on Brandon Marshall's show and pretty much officially ended yep. his Broncos tenure there That's with it. some of the things Goodbye. that he said. Um, but, uh, yeah, McCar- uh, McCarthy's been kind of linked there. But, again, you don't know how much of this is leaked from the organizations because yep. they want you to get off the guy they really want. You know, with the 49ers, they did that with Trey Lance, although he didn't work out a few years ago. So, yeah, I could see McCarthy. It feels like quarterback's the way to go. I don't think they have enough ammunition to trade up anywhere because they've had to sacrifice their picks for Russell Wilson. So I think they'll stay there, and, and we shall see. I still believe that the plan's going to be to go out and get another free agent guy. And then yep. you take a Michael Pratt maybe a little later on in the third round and let him be the guy you develop. I think a Sam Darnold would fit perfectly in Sean Payton's office. I, I absolutely was nodding my head saying, Denver needs a veteran in there. And now you might take a, a, a pick, like you said, Pratt later on or somebody who yeah, can come sure. along. Because Sean Payton as a rookie um, is, going to, is going to be exhausting to you, if not frightening in a lot of ways because of the way he coaches. And so, But I think a backup could thrive in that system and come along. But I'm, I'm agreeing with you. So I'll be interested to see if they make that kind of move. At 13 is your nemesis, the Raiders. And their needs are plentiful as well. They were 8-9 and nine last year. They're leaning defensive tackle. Byron Murphy out of Texas pops up on a message board as well, or on the mock draft, I should say. At 14 of the Saints, they've got offensive tackle needs. They're looking at Tyler Guyton, the offensive tackle for Oklahoma. Oklahoma always got linemen. Then you're talking about Oklahoma, Iowa, Wisconsin. If you get a in Michigan, Penn State, you got somebody from there in, in the front, you're probably going to be built for a while. At 15, the surprising Indianapolis Colts, 9-8 and eight last year without a quarterback for three-fourths of their season, or starting quarterback. Minshew did a fantastic job. He earned himself a lot of money as a backup for the rest of his career. If he wants, he could probably stay there. So they've got needs on the defensive side of the ball, defensive tackle, cornerback, and linebacker. They're looking at Terry Arnold from Alabama as a cornerback. The Seattle Seahawks at 9-8 and eight this past year, the Pete Carroll regime ends as they move on. They're looking at the, the, a pick who I see has fallen way too far from me. Brock Bowers at 16, a tight end from Georgia, who from the first time I saw him as a freshman, I thought to myself, that's why they don't need to have people stay in college three years. That kid's ready to go right now. If he goes to Seattle that far down, he's going to be a steal, but that's where a lot of the mock drafts have him going that far down. 
Jacksonville Jaguars, a bit disappointing this year, a little bit of a fallback from nine and eight this year, got surprised by the rise of the Houston Texans. Uh, as far as Jacksonville goes, they're looking at offensive line. Jackson Powers Johnson, the center out of Oregon, is where they're looking to go. At 18, the team I had picked to go all the way this year, the Cincinnati Bengals, but it just goes to show you, no Joe Burrow, no chance. And even with that, they were very competitive, 9-8 and eight this past season. I saw where they just now franchised T. Higgins, so they're going to work on trying to uh, lock him up to a long-term deal. If they can keep those guys in check, Joe Burrow's going to have that group back next year. They're looking at offensive tackle Fuaga. Uh, Talise Fuaga out of Oregon State is high on their list. Then there was the Rams, the resurgent Rams at 10-7. and seven. Uh, McVay came in, did a fantastic job, stayed on board, recommitted to them. They found all those young guys. I mean, Puka Nakua, I mean, who in the world, right? A Cooper Cup 2.0. They are looking at cornerback Quinion Mitchell out of Toledo. And then at number 20 is the Pittsburgh Steelers at 10-7. and seven. A lot of things they've got to answer that the draft may not satisfy. Everyone's talking about quarterback for them. But there is a mock draft pick here for Bo Nix out of Oregon at the 20 spot. I've also heard that name associated a little bit with the Denver Broncos. So as we go through 11 through 20, that's where some of these land. Rick, and I'll just keep on going through Yeah, for you going real quick. through, yeah. Now the My, contenders, right, the back now, end of the draft. Yeah. Now, yeah, now we're getting the teams that made the playoffs. With Miami at 11 and 6, they're looking at offensive tackle situation. Of course, for them, they just got to get healthy. I mean, Miami fell apart at the end, did all they could, lost their opportunity to host a playoff game when they lost the last game of the year. The Buffalo had to go on the road to the freezer box in Kansas City. They're looking at offensive tackle Troy Fautanu out of Washington. That's a solid pick to get that front buttoned up to and needs all the offensive line resistance he can have. Philadelphia Eagles, we all know how banged up, and I'm convinced of this, we may never hear how bad Justin Hurts was hurt this past year. They're looking at Nate Wiggins, a cornerback out of Clemson, who is really high on a lot of people's list. Then there's the Houston Texans. Al, surprise. Houston Texans, 11-6, won a playoff game with all those rookies and rookie head coach. They're looking cornerback. The case drew out of Missouri is who they're leaning toward as they go. And then you start to move on and you look at Cleveland Browns. Let's see. No, I'm sorry, Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys, they're looking at linebacker position. Edwin Cooper. Now, Dallas, their big problem last year from what you heard was they played so light in the box last year that it caused so many problems from them. And so they're looking to sure that up. We're going to see if they can dust off Mike Zimmer and bring him back to some of the old Bill Parcells accountability aspects. They're going to be at 24. They're looking at Cooper, the linebacker from uh, Texas A&M. At 25, the Green Bay Packers, they've got, uh, I'll tell you what, a big surprise. Jordan Love has solidified those boys on offense. They're a pretty young football team in the skill position areas. Cooper DeJean out of Iowa, the cornerback, is the lean toward them. Tampa Bay at 26. Nine and eight season. Looks like they're going to probably end up keeping Baker Mayfield. I would lock that up, keep a grown-up in the room. He looked more mature this year. They're looking at Graham Barton, the center out of Duke. They have offensive line issues that they want to try to shore up as well. 27, the Cardinals again with a pick from Houston. They're going offensive linemen, perhaps. They locked that part up last year with Paris Johnson, Jr. <clears throat> they're looking at J.C. Latham, another Alabama guy. We say a lot of Alabama as we start to move through this first round. <clears throat> then there's the Buffalo Bills at 11-6. and six. They were the 28th pick. Uh, they'll have the 28th pick. They're looking wide receiver. This, this key is here, what will Stephon Diggs do? There's a lot of noise about what this was going to happen there. He hasn't said it. But if they need a wide receiver, they're slotted to take Brian Thomas, an LSU guy. The pedigree out of LSU is pretty good. 
Detroit at 29. They're looking at edge rusher. They don't need a lot. This will just stack an already stacked and young deck. They're looking at Darius Robinson out of Missouri at the 29th spot. Three to go. The Ravens are looking cornerback. It doesn't matter. If you go to Baltimore and you get drafted, you're going to be great. That's what they do. They draft well and they develop great. They're looking at uh, Kamari Lasseter, the cornerback out of Georgia, at 30. And with the last two picks, the Niners are looking offensive tackle. They were looking at Mims from Georgia. And again, as none of these picks will be correct after the first 10 picks, uh, no way. The Kansas City Chiefs are looking at wide receiver because they always do. But Andy Reid and his crew, a lot like the Ravens, who will draft and develop well. Donnie Mitchell out of Texas reigns high on the mock drafts. And that's the first round projections, right. none of which will be totally true. <laughs> as, sure. we move, sure. as we move probably after the first 10, it becomes a what flavor do you like kind of thing. So there you go. All right, there you go. Well, listen, great stuff as always. Look forward to reconvening with you next week. We'll do it, bro. We'll kind of move down the road a little bit. We'll recap the season a little bit and see who some of the uh, – who had the greatest seasons in terms of numbers. We'll look at that a little bit next week and give folks a flavor for how things are going. All right, man. Stay safe. You got it, brother. All right. Great stuff from David Smith, as always. We are back right after this. getting ready to send it to the uh, bottom of the hour final segment coming up don't forget tomorrow the plan is to do the show from uh charleston i won't be here on thursday but we'll figure that out as well just to remind you what's ahead here on the program as i travel a long time over the next two days tomorrow night 6 30 pre-game seven o'clock right for charleston southern big game two teams both need a win the winner gets to stay out of the play-in game which is big huge Enormous. We're back after this. wild dogs that control most of the cities in North America. Just give me all the bacon and eggs you have. Wait, wait, I worry what you just heard was, give me a lot of bacon and eggs. What I said was, give me all the bacon and eggs you have. Do you understand? 25 minutes before the uh, top of the hour, 639-4900 is the Baker Team Hotline, text line 744-2990. Hope everybody's doing okay. Thanks again to our trio of guests. Mike Burnup, Jermaine Farrell, and David Smith. Tomorrow, um, Keon Brown scheduled to join us. Bill Roth, the Roth Report. I'll be in Charleston with Radford Hoops. Plan is to get up and do the show from Charleston tomorrow. And then, of course, 
Thursday I will not be here because I won't get back until a little bit after 4 a.m. <laughs> you know, it's interesting there during that local news break, hearing the Starbucks union suits and things, that's one that was cited, that the whole case is cited in that article I let off the show with from Michael McCann in Sportical about the potential unionization and the decisions that are handed down from the courts about the future of student-athletes and whether or not they become employees. But they cite that Starbucks, it's a very similar thing, you know, that they shut down... They shut down plant uh, stores because of their lack of, I guess, profitability, and then employees were let. I mean, something about the employees were let go. I mean, I don't know how they went about it, but any event, that's one that you need to keep an eye on. Wayne says he thinks Ron Swanson sounds like Nicolas Cage. <laughs> let me see. Does he? Let me see. Just give me all the bacon and eggs you have. Wait, wait. I worry what you just heard was, give me a lot of bacon and eggs. What I said was, give me all the bacon and eggs you have. Do you understand? Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was uh, back when it was actually watchable and not turned into just a an absolute political foray of ineptitude, Saturday Night Live. Um, they had a skit where they had Nicolas Cage come out during one of the news breaks, and oh, I'll never think of the actor's name. He was in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Andy Samberg. Andy Samberg does a really good Nicolas Cage impersonation, and they had the two Nick Cages there together on set. So you kind of I think you're right. Wayne, it does sound very similar. That's a good that's a good pickup. Ron Swanson and uh, Nick Cage the voice recognition. Anyway, that's a funny funny skit. Ah, those were the days when SNL was actually funny. Ah. Been a long time. Long time. But um, I know, you know, we kind of let off the show. I've gotten a lot of text messages. I know we kind of let a lot of, got off the show, kind of a a bum information note. But I'm just trying to pass stuff along to you. That's why I shared the stuff that I heard from my guy at the Big Ten School. I, I think it's important just to kind of keep your mind open about where this is going. I mean, obviously nothing is done. Then again, as he even said, things might be done and we just don't even know. Right. I mean, there's so much dishonesty that's out there, so much self-interest that's out there that it's 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 tough. You know, we're, we're in the we're in the age where especially politically today that we are in once again, the age where the media is the enemy of the people in many cases. And with this whole thing with 
what it's going to look like down the road in the SEC and the Big Ten being proactive because I believe they understand that at some point athletes are going to be considered employees. So all these moves are being done to put themselves in a position to maximize as much profitability as they can to be able to operate given what those new conditions may look like. And who knows what they may look like. I don't know, and I don't think a lot of people do, even the people who work at those schools, because very little information will be shared. You know, it will be amongst the presidents and and maybe the ADs, but probably the presidents keep things from the ADs in many cases at these schools because they're not the ones making the decisions, right? They're just not. So, you know, when you see a big denial by ESPN and Disney about their involvement, like Herb Street and his just ill-fated, I don't think he's ever going to recover from that tirade where he shot against fans about ESPN's involvement in the playoff after the Florida State fallout and the things that he said. Um, really embarrassing. It really was. Um, when you see them take a stand one way or the other, you can probably think the opposite is about to happen. <laughs> I mean, that's just the way that it rolls. And, you know, it makes a lot of sense, everything that I was told. The, the thing that was the biggest surprise to me was finding out that Virginia Tech, um, right now anyway, has little little attraction to the SEC. And the whole Notre Dame scenario, which was a great point about if the SEC and the Big Ten say – no, once the ACC implodes and they say no to your Olympic sports being housed in our league, then what does that do for Notre Dame? Right? I mean, it makes a lot of sense. It really does. So they may not have all the power like they think they do. Right? Because they're not going to be able to survive if they go about their business just with football in mind. And I don't think they'll ever get to that point because there's so many things that tie into the administration at Notre Dame. But they're going to have to consider about the future, the scheduling, the financial capabilities, all these things going forward. Because if they don't, They're going to end up with lawsuits. They're going to lose funding. They're going to have boosters that drop out. I mean, there's all these things that make Notre Dame a special place. And one of those things, it is the Olympic sports. So that was an interesting part, too, about their future and their constant um, refusal to join any kind of league in football. So what's going to happen to their sports once the ACC is gone? It's a great question. Will the Big Ten, though, cave in the long run? The SEC won't, but will the Big Ten cave and say their brand recognition is important to us enough? I don't know. Those are questions I don't know the answers to. All right, here we go. Here we go. Here's the two Nick Cages on SNL back when it was watchable. 
Andy Samberg and Nick Cage both doing Nick Cage. Well, good evening, Nick. You're looking very well tonight. Well, that's very kind of you, Nick. <laughs> you look great, too. Guys, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump in here. How is this possible? I'm looking at two identical <laughs> Nick Cages. Well, Seth, I can explain if you just calm down! <laughs> I'm calm. Okay, as everyone knows, my dream as an actor is to appear in every film ever released. <laughs> However, until now, I've only been able to muster a measly 90%, bringing shame upon my dojo. Sure, of, of course. But fortunately, today, science has prevailed. And I'm proud to announce that my cloning experiment has finally come to fruition. I'm sorry, cloning experiment? Uh, well, that's exactly right, Seth. I am his clone. Oh. Well, that does make sense, because you two are identical in every way. Not in every way, Seth. Well, while physically we are exactly the same, there are some slight differences personality-wise. Yes, for example, this Nick is calm and stealthy, like a ninja warrior. <laughs> Whereas this Nick is an exaggerated, screaming psychopath. Really <laughs> just doesn't exist. So anyway, there's a, little, there's a little piece of that. So when you hear that, and then you hear this, you know, um, it kinda, you're kinda right, uh, Wayne. I, I'm with Just you. give me all the bacon yeah, eggs you have. Yeah, there it is, see? Wait, wait, I worry what you just heard was. <laughs> I think you're right, I think you nailed it, man. I think you nailed it. <laughs> Uh, good sketch there between Andy Semberg and the actual uh, Nick Cage. But so yeah, keep keep that in mind. Um, this is the same dude, by the way, that uh, told me back before it happened. Um, we were going to see this Pac-12. They're going to say uh, he was the one that kept saying, "Look, they're going to keep acting like there's a united front, but." They're not, trust us. And sure enough, about a week later, it happened. We talked about it then. Um, and we'll keep an eye on what happens with Notre Dame if they find themselves in a situation after the ACC implodes. What are we going to do if we don't join a league and these other schools are like, look, we'll take your teams, but what are you going to do? You're going to sit there and be on an island? Is there? I guess what it's going to come down to for the Big Ten is this. And the SEC is going to have a part in this decision. That's the thing about it, because they're working together now. They've I made an announcement they're working together. Is that brand going to be, are they going to fall under the same pressure as the ACC did? But you see, the thing about it, the ACC is desperate. They were desperate when they added Notre Dame to say, look, if you play us in a handful of football games every year, you can put your teams here, and we won't force you to become members from a football perspective. The Big Ten is not in a position of weakness like the ACC was. And that's the difference. The Big Ten is in as strong a position as it's ever been. And now that it's unified and joined at the hip with the SEC, it's not going to ever be in a position of weakness again. So I think that the alliance there between those two entities... has made it a different ball game if 
Notre Dame definitely finds itself in a position to where they have to find a home for all their other sports. I'm not talking about football here, right? Because their obvious goal is to remain independent in football. But how do the networks view Notre Dame? We know this is being controlled by television and ratings and advertising rates. Are they still viable enough for everybody just to acquiesce to their demands and say, okay, well, you're still Notre Dame? And what people have to lose, too, and I agree with you, by the way, Notre Dame hasn't been viable in college football in how long? Was the last national title 1988? Is that right? So... Much like the Dallas Cowboys in the NFL, who haven't won a Super Bowl since 1994, the Dallas Cowboys are still the richest professional team in sports. They're still valued at more. Forbes magazine has them valued at more than any of the international soccer clubs anywhere in the world. The Dallas Cowboys are valued more. Well, the Notre Dame brand, even though they're not winning in college football, And they're not competing for championships very often. They have been in the playoff, but they haven't won it. It's the brand. It's the worldwide, not just here, but worldwide recognition of that brand. And that's the decision that the new structure is going to have to make. And it's also a decision that Notre Dame is going to have to make. Because they're going to have the same attraction advantages, disadvantages for the leagues to look at them like they always have. But now Notre Dame has to look at the future and realize that the entire future, especially college football, is going to be decided by the Big Ten and the SEC. So they no longer have limitless power. They still have the brand. They still have all these desires. But it's going to get sticky once the ACC goes away, what happens to those other teams. And I thought it was a great point, and it's something that's being discussed now. And you better believe if it's being discussed by the Big Ten and the SEC that the folks behind the scenes up there, Jack Salbrick and Notre Dame, are trying to prepare for this as well because it's on the horizon. And what will they do to react? Will their pompacity finally catch up with them? Who knows? High drama behind the scenes. Good stuff, though. We'll come back and we'll wrap it up. Remind you what's ahead over the next day or two as I'll be out of town here on the program. After I got out of the Marine Corps. Come- I think... You do not belong here. I think it is your presence here that is disrupting the workings of the time doorway. I think you must be removed somehow. I I know. I know. (laughs) Welcome back. (laughs) Wrapping up the uh, Tuesday show. All right. So tomorrow I will be uh, down in Charleston. Dan Steinbach will be here. And we'll connect from the hotel in Charleston. At least that's the plan. And then Dan will be here on Thursday. I will not be here on Thursday because I'll be getting in about, oh, I don't know, an hour before the show (laughs) on Thursday morning. So I don't think it's probably a good idea that I come on in uh, 
in that situation. But anyway, we'll have you covered. Then we'll be back for the uh, all request Will Stewart, Jen, Mike Ashley, Friday show. That's the plan that we've got coming at you for the next two days. And if everything goes okay, you'll hear from me tomorrow in Charleston. Great interaction as always. Appreciate the uh, the text messages. Such a major part of what we do here on the program. And thanks to our guests, Mike Burnett, Jermaine Farrell, David Smith. Tomorrow, we know we're going to have Keon Brown and uh, Bill Roth. Maybe some other stuff works out as well on the Wednesday show. So, I now will plan the rest of my late morning and get ready to uh, hit the road down to much warmer Charleston. It's about 10 degrees warmer down there. That's the good part about driving south. You don't have to worry about running into horrible weather, at least. So, I'll be there. 6.30, pregame tomorrow night, 7 o'clock the tip. The Highlanders in Charleston Southern, and the winner stays out of the playing game. So, it does have something that, uh, you know, pretty major to follow. Everybody take care, and we'll see you tomorrow. Be good. Center for. I'm Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, New River Valley.